0: Welcome to Compassion Radio 360. Well, it's time for Compassion Radio's 360 program, end of the week. Hopefully a fresh take on the news and a scriptural reframing of the events that are mentioned in these articles in a way that might hopefully have some... (laughs) Uh, eternal significance in our lives. Honey, welcome back to the microphone.
1: Hi, it's good to be here.
0: We are talking about a sad day in American history that has been brought to light by this article. But it's not just the event that's at the center of the article. The article is about a person who survived and the importance of some things as kind of like totems in her life. that She can mm, go back to mm-hmm. and say, I need this back in my life. I'm missing something. And somehow it anchors me not just to the event, but to the hope I had, the person I was before a tragedy happened. Mm -hmm. It takes really interesting turns. But tell us a little bit about the article.
1: The event occurred five years ago in Las Vegas. That's probably going to spark the memory of a lot Mm -hmm. of people listening here. And it's when a sniper got in a hotel room and began shooting at people at a music festival in the streets of Las Vegas. Many people were killed that night.
0: Hundreds were injured.
1: Yeah. I mean, 22,000 people were crammed on the streets of Las Vegas listening to this concert. A time of joy and fun and excitement for these partiers that were there in Las Vegas. And this is about a survivor of that event. And we've talked about this story in the past. We have dear friends whose son was there when it happened and he survived and And helped save others others and was a hero to many people. I know over the years, he has struggled with remembering that time. Well, he and- more than
0: struggled with it. He ended up walking into another event in his own hometown, exactly. which was a, almost a repeat of this event. There's not many people that we have ever known that have been the unlucky recipients mm-hmm. of two tragedies like this, present at both. Right. The attack that happened a couple of years later in Thousand Oaks, California, and survived that one. It's is a stunning story yeah. of his family yeah. and his survival, but also about faith in action that will literally lay down your life for somebody else if necessary. That's his story. Mm -hmm. But the story of this particular survivor was about – how to make, not sense, but to fill the holes that are left after tragedy.
1: Well, finding closure and to begin the journey of healing.
0: If there's such a thing as closure. I know it's kind of a buzzword. Right. Yeah,
1: it is. But it's such a passion for people who have been through trauma. Yeah. They, they want to find that closure or that healing to make sense of it, yeah. You know, which isn't always possible. You're right about that. But that's what we strive for.
0: Oh, yeah. To have an anchor that says, this is why things are bad mm-hmm. and this is why things are good. We have to have reasons. Yeah. And sometimes those reasons don't ever really make sense intellectually. They're mm-hmm. only going to be an emotional resignation for a lot of people about things that happen. Those of us who have lost family members mm-hmm. unexpectedly or, you know, all the people we've lost over the COVID pandemic, things like that, hallmarks of the things that are just too big mm-hmm. to wrap your mind or heart around. But they're very personal when you lose somebody particularly. Right. right. So this girl did not lose somebody personally. She didn't suffer a dying loss. But... She did lose something that was dear to her, and she felt kind of silly about it. What did she lose at that event?
1: Well, she lost her cowboy boots. Hmm. She was dressed really cute. Listening to this country music concert, she's like, these are not shoes that someone would choose to wear when they had to run for their life. Right. They're not functional at all. Just cute, just basically. Fashion. Yeah. Just fashionable shoes. But that's what they became. She was running for her life in these cowboy boots. She kept falling. Yeah finally, her husband said, take off the boots.
0: Dump the boots.
1: And so she took them off so they could run to safety.
0: We'll get some more details going here, but go ahead and tell us what the publication is that this article was found in and the title of the article.
1: This is from CBS News, and it was published back in September. And it's called These Old Boots Became Part of a Very Big Story at the Las Vegas Music Festival Shooting. One of the things that I found very intriguing about this article is is an organization that is set up by the branch of the FBI, basically, Mm -hmm. that gathers up all of the leftover stuff from these tragic events that occur.
0: It's an offshoot of the evidence-gathering mechanism of law enforcement. Yeah.
1: It's a horrible thing that this has to exist.
0: Yeah. They're charged with sorting out what is germane to the prosecution, if there's going to be one. Mm -hmm. The legal responsibility they have to gather evidence is obviously there. But there's a whole lot of other stuff that's not necessarily going to be evidence, but they're personal effects of people, Mm -hmm. some of which may have died at the event. Others, like this girl, to run for her life, left behind something that she valued.
1: So the article is written as if it's this gal speaking. And she says, five years ago, my life changed forever. And when it did, I was wearing these boots. And then there's a picture of the boots in the article. Purchased at a local thrift store, they had become my concert go-to's. Cute- and comfortable with a unique, often complemented design. I never once put them on thinking, these are the shoes I will run for my life in. But that's what they became. Mm-hmm. On October 1st, 2017, I was standing in the fourth row when a gunman opened fire on the Route 91 Harvest Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada. My husband and I were on the ground for three rounds before getting up to run. I fell constantly. 22,000 people had dropped their drinks, leaving the cement like an ice skating rink. As it turns out, cowboy boots are very bad running shoes. After my third fall, we stooped down and I took off my boots before continuing to run. That night ended up with us hitchhiking home to Southern California with two gracious strangers, finding out I broke my arm during the fall and gratitude that we were alive. However... There was one piece of me that didn't make it back. My boots. The image of them in the field haunted me in the days ahead. I called my best friend, a Vegas resident, and asked him to go to the warehouse where all the left items were being housed. They weren't there. An FBI agent asked me if I'd like to place a claim. Due to various circumstances, many items had been sent off for cleaning, as per this agent. There would be a catalog eventually sent out. Well, I nearly laughed at the notion that after one of our nation's greatest tragedies, anyone was prioritizing soiled belongings. It seemed absurd. But I placed the claim anyway. The months to follow were an emotional roller coaster, and one thing continued to pull my focus. The boots. I became obsessed. I researched who made them. I stalked online thrift stores. I ordered a pair from eBay that were two sizes too small. Deep down, I knew that we walked away with the gift of survival. Why couldn't I let this go? Six months later, I was sitting in my office working when my email chimed. There in my inbox was a link to the promised catalog. Titled like online shopping tabs, I held my breath and clicked on shoes. 77 pages, five pairs on each page representing 385 people who knew what it felt like to run barefoot for their life. It was the first time I felt like there was anyone out there who might understand how I felt. I was blown away by the meticulous listings. It was clear to me that this organization was doing everything in its power to make these items identifiable, knowing that they could be someone's closure. The flag of survival or a memento from a loved one, lost. I scanned the pages, and there, on page 56, were my boots. A couple of months later, an FBI agent delivered them to me. She asked me if I wanted company while I opened the box, and something about the way she asked me made me answer yes. As I lifted the lid, a wave of clarity hit, and I knew why I hadn't been able to let go of these old boots. They were the last part of me that was in that field, part of my miracle, and they were home. In an instant, a chapter of my life closed and a new page in my healing journey opened. As a journalist, I began to ask the agent, Debbie, about her job. She explained that a group was created within the FBI to deliver items from mass acts of violence back to survivors and loved ones. They recognized that in the blink of an eye, these items went from ordinary to extraordinary. The FBI is often portrayed as cold and mechanical, but I cannot tell you how much it warms me to know that this initiative exists. It is led by the bravest and kindest group of agents who volunteer their time to be with people in very vulnerable emotional moments. Later, as I sat sobbing at my kitchen table I found myself back inside the catalog. As I looked at the thousands of items within, shoes, shirts, jackets, jewelry, hats, I thought, these aren't just items. They are representative of an incredible human being's journey. They are stories of loss, survival, heroism, resiliency, and connection. My stomach turned and I felt a pressing on my heart. Maybe I was there because I'm a storyteller. Maybe I'm still here because I'm supposed to tell the story. And it was at that moment that the journey to create 11 Minutes began. Now, 11 Minutes is a documentary that is on Paramount. Mm -hmm. It's a docu-series that this gal collaborated with others, but developed and produced. So I would encourage people to watch that because it's very moving. Yeah. But this story is just beautiful and terrible at the same time.
0: Indeed. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. We continue to focus our relief efforts on the intrepid Christians getting relief to the front lines of conflict in Ukraine. Oksana Gorbanova is the tip of the spear on this project. She and team members from our partner, Serve Ukraine, finished delivering aid that you provided through your generous giving. Here's how your gift made a difference this time. A refugee and orphanage center was quickly built in western Ukraine that Oksana's volunteers currently use to serve hundreds of new refugees every day. You helped to buy seed for a new community farm and garden that is feeding hundreds of people. You helped to buy a herd of cows that is now providing children with fresh milk. And the farm itself is providing work and hope for those who feel lost and without purpose. For all of this, friends, I say thank you. And don't stop now. Please give generously today so we can keep growing our Serve Ukraine project and supporting heroes like Oksana Gorbanova. They're bracing for a brand new wave of refugees heading their way. So again, please give whatever the Lord enables you to, to help us save more lives and deliver more hope. Just call today, one 800 868 Or write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And catch us on the web, of course, at CompassionRadio.com. And now, back to the broadcast.
1: This story is just beautiful and terrible at the same time. Indeed. And I understand a little bit of her obsession, I guess, Mm. wanting that remembrance. I think about this past spring going through my mom's house after she passed away cataloging 70 years of living in one house. Mm-hmm. All of the memories of events and occasions, some happy, some not so happy. But there were some things that I just could not let go out the door mm-hmm. at the estate sale. Yeah. You know, they're just part of your DNA almost. They're just part of who you are. Some of the things that I kept were silly things. Like, you know, I have some spoons from my mom's kitchen that she cooked with. I have plenty of spoons of my own, but these were ones that my mom used to cook.
0: Yeah. The hands have touched.
1: Yeah. So in that sense, I understand this woman's passion about this and this feeling of I've got to have this back in my life. When you lost something that you didn't realize was significant. And yet it was the thing that anchored her.
0: And that anchor was something that kept her from losing her mooring, literally, and floating off into emotional wasteland. Yeah. Having some place that you can still call home, some place that is anchored in every way imaginable, a place of safety, a rock upon which to stand. Mm-hmm. Lots of metaphors come to mind, even from scripture, mm-hmm. about what it means to be standing on the solid rock. When our lives are all shifting sand and so much seems to be washed away from us, to find something that brings you back to a place where you felt secure or you knew you were Mm -hmm. before tragedies happened can be not just a reset, but a reminding that you are a person that can be safe, that can be saved, Mm. that can be, and not just a casualty of some tragedy that has happened. And the interesting scripture that came to mind for both of us as we thought about this particular story comes out of Deuteronomy. Moses has been reminding the people that they need reminders. The people he's speaking to are the ones that are the leftovers. After 40 years in the wilderness, everybody who complained, everybody who had something against Moses or against God for dragging them out of their homes and lives Mm -hmm. in Egypt Mm -hmm. have all passed away. All that's left are those who were born to nothingness. This on-the-way-to-ness, this I'm-not-there-yet-ness. yetness. they have always felt like wanderers. That's all they've ever known. A tent here, a tent there, but no real home. Mm-hmm. And it's been in the desert the entire time. And then Moses says, after going through the River Jordan, I want you to set up an altar. When you cross over, Deuteronomy chapter 27 from the Voice Translation. Verse 2 says, when you cross the Jordan into the land the eternal your God is giving you, set up some giant stones and whitewash them with lime. Write each word of this law on them when you cross the Jordan to enter the land he is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey that the Eternal, God of your ancestors, promised to you. When you cross the Jordan, you will set up these stones on Mount Ebel and whitewash them with lime just as I have commanded you this day. Build an altar there to him with stones that iron have never struck, stones you will find whole. Build that altar to him and offer burnt offerings upon that altar to him. Then sacrifice peace offerings and have a celebration feast in his presence. And remember, write a complete copy of the law on the large stones. Make it clearly legible. Mm -hmm. There's a lot here for me to unpack just in what Moses is telling his people. But when I go back to this girl's story, she was searching for her stone. Mm -hmm. These boots obviously are not the anchor, but it was the contact, the connection she had with an fbi agent that reminded her that she is worth healing Mm -hmm. that she has value Mm -hmm. and that what she went through may have been a break from the past Mm -hmm. but her past can be redeemed too Mm -hmm. everything about that's coming together in those silly boots of hers yeah the compassion being shown to her by agents of the fbi whose job it is help us reconnect with the things that were lost along the way The people of Israel lost pretty much everything along Mm -hmm. the way, except for their very identity and lives of their children and their children's children. Everybody who left Egypt died in the desert. All of their children, the promise was upon them. Mm -hmm. But they'd never been someplace that they ever felt home. Yeah. And God says, the first thing you're going to do is set up this altar with big rocks. (laughs) And you're going to coat them with lime. You're going to let me choose what these things look like because you're not going to be the one to fashion these stones. You're not going to be cutting them into a temple. Mm-hmm. I want you to take the stuff I give you mm, yeah, without any other touching up other than just to put some whitewash on there. Make a page out of it so that you can then write on the rocks. Not carve, but write the word on mm-hmm. these stones. Mm-hmm. Use your own hands. Paint them on there. Like painting your own fence. You know, a number of times you and I have been in churches where while the church is being built, the people were encouraged, come write your favorite scriptures inside the studs of the building mm. that no one will ever see once this building is completed. But you and God know.
1: Yeah. We've also done it in friends' houses where we, we have been building houses.
0: And things we've done in even remodeling some of our houses along the way, we'll yes. put a scripture hidden in there. Someday perhaps someone might tear down that wall and see something in there as a testament to the people who lived there at that time. Mm. But we know it's there. God knows it's there. Mm -hmm. Are we willing to write upon the stones of our time, God was here Mm -hmm. and I was too? Yeah.
1: It is so important to have touchstones Mm -hmm. of remembrance in our lives, of things that were significant, of things that transformed us. That shaped us and molded us into who we are and who we are becoming. I was also reminded of the recent tragedy in Seoul, South Korea, of the crushing of the people over Halloween, which was just a few weeks ago. And there's a story about all of the lost items there, too, in in this huge gymnasium. There's rows and rows of shoes Mm -hmm. and jackets and purses and things like that for people to come and reclaim them or to find their loved one's belongings. For some reason, I think that's part of the human condition. That's part of human nature to want to have that touchstone. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. That that stone of remembrance, that thing that brings us back to that place of this was the last place that person I loved was, yeah. or what they wore, or whatever, those things that remind us of them, right. or that place, or that time. God is so aware of how he made us. Yes. That he built that into us.
0: He built memory into us.
1: Yeah, that there's something about those big events that's important for us to remember.
0: Yeah, we have to learn what to forget. Mm. The things worth remembering, of course, are the truth Mm -hmm. and God's answer to our prayers. Mm. And the prayers we prayed. When Moses says, write down my word to you, it's, it's God's love letter to us. He wants us to actually hear his words again, but hear them through our own actions, our own writing. Mm-hmm. With your own hand, write down what I've told you, because mm-hmm. this is my love for you. 30 years ago, not long after Compassion Radio became Compassion Radio, it wasn't longer just the morning chapel hour, Norman share traveled throughout war zones, and the biggest war during the early 90s was the conflict in Yugoslavia as it was breaking apart, and there was a huge genocide happening in Kosovo, which is one of the countries at the very southern end of Yugoslavia. And Norm walked through the camps of the refugees that were just running away. And the bulldozers were coming in to try to erase the memory of this camp because the government of Serbia did not want anyone in the world to know Mm. that this tragedy had taken place and that people were still on the run in the middle of winter where it was cold and icy. And in this pile of rubble of this camp that had been torn apart by tanks, there was a sweater, Mm. a little girl's sweater, a toddler, caked in mud. And Norm could see that the bulldozers were coming. On an impulse, he just grabbed it and snatched it up. Mm -hmm. Because he knew this was going to be gone forever. And of course, they had no idea if any of the families that were represented by the debris they were seeing in front of them had survived the event. No way to find out. No way to chase them down because everyone had run and it was a mess of a battlefield. But that sweater came back with him. Mm -hmm. And it still to this day, I believe, is sitting in a small picture case so that somebody would remember what happened there and they spoke of this on the air and they asked people to pray earnestly for the resolution of this conflict and for the safety and the freedom and the security of the people of Kosovo which not many people even heard of as Mm -hmm. a country right miracle of all miracles the country of Kosovo actually survived all this onslaught against all odds and their country became a country separate and standalone but the people there are rebuilding I don't think it's in any small part to the reality that people were praying around the world for the people of Kosovo at the time, mm. much like we're begging people to keep praying for the people of Ukraine and pray for the Russians who are being forced to go fight a war they don't want to fight. There's all kinds of reasons to jump into the spiritual battle and to pray for the peace of the people. And when it's all settled, when it's all done, when there's debris on the ground, I'm praying that there'll be lots of people to pick up these stones and make altars to the living God from them Mm. and be able to write God's word again on these things and live a life that shows that God still loves them and is capable of rebuilding lives and starting over. That God is a God of resurrection. Yeah.
1: Well, there's no doubt that these kind of events alter us Mm. for good or for bad. They alter us. I think it's important for us to remember these events. You know, we think about things in our own lives. I think about when our children were born and the little things that we have to remind us of those events, baby shoes Mm. or a baby blanket. I think about when you had your stroke. I have still a Starbucks gift card Mm -hmm. that a friend sent me, as I sat in the hospital with you when you were not with me, Mm. (laughs) but I still have that card just as a reminder of that time. Like I said earlier, the thing from my mom's house, the things that remind me of my mom and my dad. and And those events, those things that were significant in our lives. I mean, we wear our wedding rings. Those were significant mm-hmm. things in our lives, the wedding day. Good and bad things, we need to remember them. Rightly. Rightly. Yeah. That's a good word. So that we know where we were yeah. and we can see where God is taking us and where our life is going. I love that God told the children of Israel, Set these stones up so that you can see them from far away. You can remember this time that I brought you through this wilderness, this devastating time, and I'm bringing you to a place of promise.
0: And the memorial that God tells him to set up is not a pretty one. No. You know, this is not a temple, again, that's been carved and honed and beautifully planned. He said, take what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's a heap. It's a mess. It's a pile of rubble. And yet it's holy, because I'm saying, use it for my purposes. Mm. And I think that most of these memorials, these totems for us that we look back on and say, this anchors us to a time or place or an event or a reality that we need to be reminded of. They're not always pretty Mm. memorials. In fact, they can be quite ugly at times. But if they're real, and they really were there, and they remind you that you were too, Mm -hmm. that's really important. And I think it's sanctified in that God says, devote it to me. Your memories of this, the time you spend setting these altars up, the care you put into the remembrances that go around those things. Bring honor to me mm-hmm. while you're doing that. I think it's one of the calls we all have in every generation is redeem the time that you're in. Mm-hmm. Devote it to God. And for those of us who are committed to that kind of faithful lifestyle, that it's all God's anyway. That's what we're trying to get to is letting him know by our actions, our words, and our thoughts. Mm-hmm that he really is the one that we care most about, that we love, and we know he cares most about us. Of anything in all of history, God will never be excelled in his care for us. When we remind God of that, we are always, always reminding ourselves of a fundamental truth. Mm -hmm. So that's all we have for you on this particular Compassion Radio 360. It's a beautiful story, but it's troubling because of what it started as. But this writer, Ashley Hoff, who wrote this account— I want to give her loud kudos for being the one that actually encapsulated so beautifully this Mm -hmm. experience for so many survivors. I thank CBS News for actually putting it out there. There will be a link on our website in the podcast section to this article if you'd like to read it for yourself. And thanks so much again, friends, for being part of the Compassion Radio family and remaining compassionate about Mm -hmm. those who go through tragedies here and abroad, and for stepping in and being part of the projects that we put in front of your face every day and invite you to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Will you help us today? Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at PO Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.